The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. The latest trends and hottest topics, love and sex, handled honestly and with passion. Here's Dr. Lori, CJAD 800. Coming up in the program tonight, uh, we talk about the fight against the stigma around sexually transmitted infections. We'll look at uh, questions like when do we disclose, how to date, uh, why is there, uh, why do we feel such shame when uh, we get a, a diagnosis of a sexually transmitted infections and are some worse than others. Uh, we'll talk to uh, a specialist in this area or somebody who uh, knows his way around. Um, his name is Courtney Brame. He's actually a, a podcaster, started a podcast called Dating Positive. Uh, actually, that's a website, but something positive for positive people. And he's the spokesperson for a new web platform for dating for people who have a sexually transmitted infection and want to meet others who have. Uh, we'll find out about how that kind of works out. Uh, but first... Time to check out our inbox. Your calls and texts are always welcome. Connect with Passion now at 514-790-0800 or 514-800. You can feel free to send me your questions by email, laurie at drlaurie.com anytime, or you can do that through the iHeartRadio app. In fact, you can listen to us through the iHeartRadio app as well as uh, on the web and on your uh, Bell TV. Uh, there's a channel where you can find us as well. Uh, so here's one that I got, and I love this question. Is it normal to pass gas during sex or orgasm? Isn't that a great question? Because I think every single person has, at one point or another, actually experienced this, much to their uh, uh, dismay, uh, they're horrified, <laughs> whatever it is. But it is perfectly normal because during, um, especially during intercourse, there's a feeling of bearing down, which can cause the gas to be passed, especially because in the bearing down process, you're letting go of the anal sphincter. So it's really, uh, really common. If you're a very gassy person, then take some over-the-counter anti-gas medication, maybe a few hours uh, before sex. But otherwise, it's not something really you should be worried about. And frankly, if you're intimate enough to be having sex, maybe you should be in, intimate enough to uh, be able to share this uh, this other natural function because sex is about letting go and even letting go some of those inhibitions. So yes, it, it happens. It happens to most people at some point or another. Uh, by the way, if you have any thoughts on any anything we're talking about tonight, you can always text in at 514-800 if there's something you want to add to an answer that I'm giving to somebody uh, because maybe you've experienced it or something that I'm not covering that you think I should or you want to cover, then by all means, please do that and contribute to the program that way. 
Um, hi, my wife refuses to have sex with me to where I have to beg her. I've done everything I can to show her she's beautiful to me and that I love her, but she always gives me the same excuses every time. I've bought her lingerie she wanted, but it just sits and collects dust. She keeps telling me sex isn't everything, but I've read that it helps keep a healthy marriage, and whenever we do, she never takes off her shirt, and she just lays there. Doesn't show any sign of affection at all. What should I do? Wow, this is... um sounds like you've tried really hard to understand what's going on with your wife. So I, I applaud you for that. And I totally understand your frustration and your uh, disappointment in this. And you're right. Sex is a, is, is definitely healthy for a marriage because it's a great way to connect with each other. It's not the only way, but it's, um, it's a great way. So when I see clients in my office, I see plenty of people with this very situation. But the first thing I want to, I want to do is assess the situation. I want to evaluate the situation. It's important to find out what is your wife going through? Is this a hormonal issue? Is it depression? Is it due to stress and fatigue? Uh, are there relationship issues? Is she resentful for anything towards you? Does she have body image issues? Uh, you allude to that in your email. So that could certainly be a problem. There could be many reasons why she seems to have disconnected from you in, uh, in this way. So my, the best thing I can suggest here is for you to ask her to go with you to, uh, a marriage counselor so that you can discuss your feelings about your relationship. And then you can both kind of figure out what's going on. There's always hope. Like in, when I see couples, when couples are willing to work at it and sit in the office and, um, figure it out and really like ask the hard questions, really listen to each other. There's a lot of hope and it can change and things can get better, but you've got to put the work into it. And both people really have to be, uh, on board. And sometimes it's really tough. Like it can take a long time before a couple finally decides to address the elephant in the room. And sex is often a really big elephant in the room when everything's great. Sex is a non-issue. Um, but when it is a problem, it takes up all the space in a relationship. So a couple of things on, um, <laughs> a couple of things on the passing gas during sex in answer to that email. Uh, don't ever eat fiber before sex. And if you feel the gas coming on, excuse yourself, go to the bathroom and do squats. <laughs> yes. Except how do you do that in the middle of sex? Like, oops, sorry. I got to go. You know, you, you don't like they escape you. It's something that you don't do it on purpose right? It's not something they say, oh gee, I need to fart and here I go. I'm going to let it rip. You don't actually, it's not something you're controlling at that moment. Okay. Um, another text writes, sorry, passing gas during sex is disgusting. Uh, okay. But it's a natural, uh, consequence sometimes of letting go. And especially, um, for women who, who during orgasm actually bear down, like that's the feeling that you have. Uh, so sometimes it can happen. 
Uh, hi, no, you're not a doctor. However, has anyone ever given you advice on what to do about heartburn a day or so after taking a Viagra-type pill? Milk? Uh, no, I, I think I've not heard this, but um, I think milk is not the answer. Take heartburn medication, Gaviscon or something like that. That would be probably better to have on hand if it's something that you uh, regularly do. And then, then do the squats before sex. So let out all the gas by doing squats. Okay, uh, I think uh, that's good. Uh, so coming up, we'll talk about the shame around sexually transmitted infections. Relationships on the line. Connect with Dr. Lori now. 514-790-0800. Passion. News Talk Radio. CJAD 800. Tonight we fight the stigma around sexually transmitted infections. My special guest tonight is Courtney Brame. He is a podcaster, started a podcast which uh, I was happy to be on as well a a few months back, Something Positive for Positive People. He's also the spokesperson for Dating Positives. It's a new web platform for uh, basically a a dating site for people who have STIs. So if you have any questions about having a sexually transmitted infection, um, maybe about dating with an infection or some of the issues that may have come up for you. I know that I get, I see a lot of people in my practice who uh, have got an STI like herpes, which never goes away, uh, which you carry in you and uh, deal with a lot of shame around that. And so have to work at overcoming that shame. And then they are embarrassed to date. They don't know how to, what to say, how to approach it. Uh, so there's lots and lots to talk about, but I want to know if you have any uh, thoughts on this or any experiences with this. You can connect with us at 514-800 to text in. If you want to call in, you can call in at 514-790-0800. Courtney, welcome to the show. Hi, Dr. Laurie. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm returning the favor now. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. It's good to hear from you. Uh, all right, Courtney, tell us about something positive for positive people because it's it's a very specific kind of podcast. But tell us about how you got to that point. All right, so um, I've been diagnosed with genital HSV2, which is the virus that uh, causes herpes outbreaks. And I was on a dating website And I met someone on there who expressed that she was contemplating suicide at some point. Wow. And figuring out, like, I got to know her a little bit, and she was already in a relationship. And the main reason that she was on there was really just to connect with men who could give her some insight as to what to expect for if or when her partner were to begin to show expressions of the virus. So she just was taking, like, a precautions just so she knew what to look for, what to expect, because he didn't really have any concerns about it. But one of the things that stood out to me the most was that for him to have been as comfortable as he was about it, she was so uh, obsessive over figuring out like a guy's perspective on it. And when she eventually told me that she contemplated suicide after her diagnosis, I was like, well, it can't be that bad. Like I've had it for, at that point, I think it was five years. Mm -hmm. And I had only had one outbreak, which was the first one. And um, 
I took medication as needed if I ever felt that anything was going on weird down there. But what I did was I looked to some of the online communities. There's a bunch of online communities everywhere. And I just asked if there were any women who would want to speak and share their experience uh, living with herpes so that I could share that with this lady as well as a few other people. Because after uh, she pointed out to me that she wanted to commit suicide, I began to just see it more places than I should have to say right. the least. Well, the statistics so, are, are incredibly high, right? Do you, do you have the exact statistics on people living with herpes or the percentage? The statistics are all over the place. Um, the most recent that I've seen is that more than 90% of the population has been exposed to some form of herpes, and that's the most recent information that I've seen everywhere online. Right. Exposed to doesn't mean they necessarily catch the Correct. virus. Right. Right. And Correct. a lot of people who have the virus never show symptoms. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm one of those people who is fortunate to have only had the first outbreak. And in doing the podcast, I've talked to people who had no expressions of the virus whatsoever and just uh, ended up, you know, a big thing is that people aren't tested for herpes. And a lot of people don't know that. But um, there are very rare instances where a medical professional will test for everything. And a couple of interviews that I've done with people on the podcast, um, they, their medical professional did test them for herpes, and that's how they found out. Okay. So had they not been surprised tested for herpes, they wouldn't have even known that they had it. Right, and you can pass it on without ha- without being symptomatic, although maybe a little tougher, but it can happen. Yes, it can happen. Which is why you never know. <laughs> you just don't. You yeah, just you don't. Just it's one of those things, and I, you know, I often tell people this is – a sexually transmitted infection that is skin to skin and unfortunately condoms cannot protect you completely to some degree yes but not not completely right i don't think anybody wants to put on an entire like latex suit <laughs> and try to figure that whole thing out uh no i'm not sure a body condom is going to work <laughs> or or underwear you know with the hole in it or something no that's just not oh, going to yeah. happen but that's what it would take really to completely uh, protect yourself, which would be, uh, yeah, no, that's not going to work. Courtney Brame is my guest. He uh, is a podcaster. Something Positive for Positive People is the name of his podcast. And he's also a spokesperson for Dating Positives, which is a dating platform for people who have STIs. And coming up in the program, I want to talk about the the need for that. And it's not the first time I've heard about a sp- specific websites for people with STIs and uh, looking to find each other. But the, like, what about other sexually transmitted infections? Do you find, have you talked to people who've had other things like chlamydia or gonorrhea or any of the others? What's weird about that is um, people who I've spoken to, um, they don't see those as a big deal. So a lot of people just don't consider those to be worth talking about because they're curable. Right. And while they're becoming more challenging to treat as the virus is evolving and becoming resistant to the medications, uh, there's way less of a stigma or uh, conversation even around the curable STIs like chlamydia, gonorrhea. Right. There's now the the super gonorrhea, the super bug, which they're finding that it's becoming more and more difficult uh, to treat. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a, an interesting question. Someone's asking, how can a five-year-old get herpes besides being sexually fondled with? Uh, that's an interesting question. Like, are you talking about uh, 
genital herpes. The only way that that could happen is if you have a, if the, the child has a cold sore, right? And then touches the cold sore and touches their genitals. It could get transmitted from one to the other. Um, so this person is specifically asking about it being on a five-year-old's genitals? I, well, it doesn't say genitals, but let's assume it's, uh, it's on the genitals, yeah, I think that would be the most, I mean, that would be extremely bad, but um, yeah. I would hope that person was talking about just oral herpes, but that would, it's common that people pass uh, oral herpes on to, to the relatives and children just from kissing. Exactly. that That's just from kissing. And sometimes you barely know you've got a, a herpes and so many people have that. I uh, know. So this uh, five-year-old having herpes in the mouth, that's not the same. So a person who has herpes in the mouth could have gotten it from anyone who's kissed them on the mouth, who have, who has had a cold sore. And I think people panic when uh, they, uh, they see cold sores, thinking that that's genital herpes. It's not the same. It's a different kind of herpes, which can also occur. You can transmit from the mouth to the genitals. Um, but you have to be careful not to jump to assumptions. If someone has a herpes on their mouth, it does not mean they were sexually fondled. It just means somebody kissed them on the mouth that has cold sores, even if it wasn't so visible at the time. So someone told me a story actually of, um, uh, a camp uh, counselor that had kissed all that was used to kiss all the kids on the mouth at the in in their bunk at sleepaway camp and each every single kid in that bunk got mouth herpes so, uh, is that a real story yeah that's a real story oh, my. <laughs> that's a real story uh, so of course like many of us get uh, look i'm not ashamed to admit it i get cold sores every once in a while so i know i have some virus in me, but it only appears on, on the lips. There's a different, there's two different viruses. One is, is on your, on the lips and one is in the genitals. They're, they're very different, but a mouth herpes can be transferred to the genitals. I just want to clarify that for people as well, you know? Correct. Yeah. And vice versa. And there have been people who have had outbreaks on their hands, fingers. Um, someone I know has had it on her ankle. Um, there's someone who is very active and involved in the herpes community who has outbreaks on their butt cheeks even. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's skin to skin contact. So if you are, if you have an active outbreak, it is possible to pass it on other areas of the body as well. Exactly. So uh, without jumping necessarily to conclusions that it has to do with, um, of course, if it's on the genitals, it's sexually transmitted, mm-hmm. right? I mean, to some Correct. to some degree, unless, again, you've touched an open sore on your mouth and then touched uh, your own genitals, then at that point you could potentially pass it on. Uh, so there's lots to talk about with this, but... Um, and you say there's a lot there's a lot of resources out there for that promotes destigmatization and and gives people a voice uh, people can Correct. communicate with others yes. mhm mm-hmm. so um there are dating websites out there like dating positives where um you have an online community of resources for dating and additional resources where you can just find health information and they also give people a platform who are STI positive and it allows us to feel a little bit more included when we're talking about our experiences dating while they're very similar to um dating in general mm-hmm. it, there's a unique aspect of it because we are STI positive and generally 
dating, you don't come across uh, very many disclosure or SCI conversations. Whereas if you're SCI positive, if you're someone with herpes, you have a moral obligation to disclose that information, therefore forcing the conversation around STI. Right. I think that's a really big topic that we need to, to address, uh, and we will after uh, we go to our newsroom. But um, the, the whole issue of when to disclose, how to disclose, that's uh, that's really big. Uh, my guest is uh, Courtney Brame. He will talk about that, the disclosing uh, disclosure process. He does a web or a podcast called Something Positive for Positive People uh, to help others and 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 kind of help destigmatize uh, sexually transmitted infections and gives gives people a voice. We'll talk about uh, how such a dating platform works. Uh, dating positives, you can check it out online yourself. The the following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Straight talk that's all inclusive. Passion with Dr. Lori. News Talk Radio, CJAD 800. Tonight, we're talking about the stigma surrounding sexually transmitted infections, especially like herpes and HIV, the two that just uh, that don't go away, that live in your system, although can be uh, controlled. We're talking with Courtney Brame. He is the spokesperson for Dating Positives, a new web dating platform for people who have uh, STIs. And he, he's also a podcaster, does a podcast called Something Positive, for uh, positive people. So one of the issues, Courtney, is disclosure. People always wonder, like, at which point do I have to disclose when I'm dating? Or I've had the question, do I have to disclose my status? What do you answer? Well, I will always say, you know, no one would say that they would prefer not to be disclosed to. Of course. I can't think of anyone who would say that. So it's always best to disclose. I mean, yeah, it's a burden that you have herpes or an STI that you can't uh, get rid of, but it is a moral responsibility to do so. And I encourage anyone who is considering not doing so to understand the consequences of not disclosing. I mean, you may not see those consequences right away, but in the long term, that's what resources like this podcast are for because you may end up with someone contracting it who has no idea where they got it from and maybe contemplating suicide. So that's something to please always keep in mind. Um, the best time to disclose is before you have sex. The other... <laughs> oh, are you... Yeah, what'd you say? Before you have sex. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. Before you put the person at risk. And there's some debate about when to disclose, what to disclose, because uh, cold sores have a much cuter name than herpes does. So um, what we want to do is, well, I'll use my template, so to speak, for mm -hmm. disclosing, and it's something that I, I had to practice because in the beginning I got rejected a lot, and I found that when I wasn't comfortable with my diagnosis, other people weren't comfortable with right. my diagnosis. Okay. So I was set up for rejection pretty early out the gate because um, I'm allowing myself to attach myself to the stigma, which is ultimately that you're dirty, you have a lot of sexual partners, and you're unsafe with those sexual partners. So 
if you're coming from a place of where the stigma is, imagine like that is exactly what you're saying to the other person. Right. And then you're asking them to have sex with you. <laughs> Whereas. <laughs> yeah, sounds pretty crazy at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And you can look at it and say, oh, yeah, that's ridiculous. And you're able to better present who you are um, to the equation and just say, hey, you know, this is who I am. This is what I'm bringing to the table. I like our interaction. Um, I would like to take this further. Um, this is what I know about myself. I and I do have uh, HSD, and this can be the start of a conversation that allows for the other person to talk about when they've last been tested. What's their STI status? Have they had any STIs? Do they use protection when they have other partners? Mm-hmm. And then it also opens the door for uh, negotiations. You know, you can get into kinks. You can talk about foreplay, do's, don'ts, safe words, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and a lot of people dread disclosure, but it really can be a sexy thing if you make it that way. And like I said, just to answer your question, you want to do it before you're putting the person at risk of exposure to the virus. Right. Uh, And I think that's uh, that's really important. But but you're right that, first of all, a lot of people have trouble just talking about sex. They're they're good at doing it. May not be so good at talking (laughs) about. Yeah, I know, but we we really aren't so good at talking about it Um, and, and how to bring it up. And of course you know, how the other person's going to react. I think you're right. When you present it, I'm thinking presenting it with, this is what I know. This is how I control it. This is what I know about my body. This, I, you know, I will never actively put somebody at risk if I know I have uh, a sore or it's under control because I take this medication. So being able to share that with the person so that you're informing at the same time. Yes, that is so important because a lot of people will just kind of like slipping a note under a door and they're running away. I have herpes, and then you're waiting on the other person to respond. Like, right. Giving them any context on what that means for you, what it means for them, what it means if you choose to move forward. You know, let them know that information. Make them help them feel safe and give them space to uh, make a well-informed decision. Absolutely, uh, and I, and. I, I've seen, I've spoken to quite a few people who have been told of, of someone else's, let's say, uh, herpes status and have not really cared that much. They were like, well, okay, like, you know, we just won't have sex when you have a breakout. And if I get it, well, so we'll both have it <laughs> almost right. in a, a bit of a nonchalant uh, kind of way. I mean, it, and yet, and then I've seen other people who see it as like a death sentence, which of course it isn't, but the the two extreme cases, right? Mm-hmm. And for what I found is that the more educated, the more sexually aware, risk aware, sex positive communities are more receptive to it because they yes. understand herpes. And you have to keep in mind that this is a community of people who are aware of the risk of a sexual encounter and they're more open to talking about it. Therefore, right. they have more knowledge and ask the questions, okay, well, when was your last outbreak? How are you managing the virus? Are we going to use barriers? And exactly. these are all things to be considered. Exactly. And I think very good point. And not, this is exactly where knowledge is power. 
when you have the knowledge and, and you're informed, that's how we destigmatize a lot of stuff because where does stigma come from? Often from this lack of knowledge or this, we attach things to it. Like you said, it's dirty or you have had many sexual partners or you're a, a certain kind of person. So we make judgments based on not knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. And I always say too, when I'm talking to people is that, you know, the stigma is really, uh, it's, it, it's made up of the opinions of people who have no idea what it's like to have herpes or don't even know if they do or don't have herpes. Exactly. You know, what, person who actually has herpes is going to call themselves all of those things, you know, and say that they're dirty, that they're promiscuous and that they're just unsafe with partners. And that's just not, that's just not true. The two don't, do not go hand in hand. Uh, Courtney Brame is my guest. He uh, does a podcast, something positive for positive people. He is a, he has a, a herpes himself and has opened, uh, given a voice to a lot of other people. He's also the spokesperson for dating positives, which is a dating platform for people who have STIs. We'll talk about that, uh, that dating platform and any other questions that you might have in the last little bit that we have left here on the show. It's sex out loud, and you're welcome to listen in. Passion on CJAD 800. Tonight we're talking about uh, sexually transmitted infections and the stigma around it and dating, etc. We've got Courtney Brame, who is uh, a spokesperson for Dating Positives, a web, uh, a dating platform for people who have sexually transmitted infections. He's also a podcaster, and the name of his podcast is Something Positive. Uh, for positive people. I want to get to a couple of texts here, uh, Courtney. Uh, is it true that gay men are more likely to contract HIV or is this an unfair stereotype? So I just dug up uh, some statistics. I have some U.S. statistics. And in 2017, gay and bisexual men accounted for 66% of all HIV diagnoses. So it's not fair to say that that it's a gay disease as it, as it was once uh, labeled uh, because, of course, there's a whole lot of heterosexual people um, as well. So uh, it is an unfair stereotype in the sense that we think that it only belongs to one group because it does not. Uh, have you spoken to a lot of people with the HIV on your uh, podcast? There have been a handful. I don't have much access to the community of HIV positive people, but the handful of individuals that I've had, um, we've interviewed Derek Canis, who um, is living with AIDS, uh, and we've interviewed Josh Robbins, who's also a spokesperson for Dave Positive, and um, uh, Lexi Gibson, um, who also has HIV. Uh, she was born with it, actually. So, yeah, we've interviewed probably mm-hmm. five, yeah, five people. I think it's important for people to know, too, that now there are preventative medications and also um, medications to take once you're diagnosed that will uh, reduce the viral load to uh, to just about nil, so uh, it, no longer trans, uh, transmittable. Uh, so I think it's important for people to get informed about that too, but that's something we've, we've certainly talked uh, on our show about. So tell me about the uh, dating platform Dating Positives, because this is new. There aren't too many uh, such dating sites around. What is special about this one? 
Well, I think what's special about it is that uh, the blog Waxo itself, um, okay. it's a digital magazine, and it connects to beyond just dating, like there's sexual health information, lifestyle, entertainment, and it's more LGBT inclusive as well as STI positive inclusive because a lot of dating sites just aren't friendly to STI positive people mm-hmm. specifically for sure. Okay, and that's Waxo, W-A-X-O-H. O-H, yes, dot com. Uh, W-A-X-O-H. Okay. <laughs> uh, where's that name come from? <laughs> New so good, it makes you say, oh. Waxo. <laughs> uh, so, um, all right, tell me about dating and why it's important to have a dating site for people with STIs. So um, there's a number of angles to approach here. Uh, Speaking from my own personal experience, before I discovered dating platforms like Dating Positive, I dated through other dating sites and tried to meet people out in person. And I was so weird. And I didn't realize it until hindsight that a lot of it had to do with this burden of having to disclose mm-hmm. and just being fearful of rejection and being fearful of a person just, you know, I, I've been ghosted, I've been not talked to, but more importantly, I've completely just talked my way out of situations, just being awkward or avoided situations altogether where there was potential for me to pursue something with a potential partner. Right. So. Through dating sites where um, your information is safe and private and you're able to connect with other people who are living with the same virus as you, it makes it a little bit easier to go into the interaction yourself without that burden of when am I going to disclose? How am I going to disclose? Mm-hmm. Are they going to have it too? Are they not going to have it? Are they going to uh, ghost me? What's going to happen? So for yeah. me, when I was able to come across something like this, um, I felt more, I like. I felt like I got into myself because those thoughts weren't there. Oh, right. when am I going to disclose? So I got to really express myself and I got to really experience the other women that I was pursuing and, we just got to know each other, minus having to worry about the conversation of, of disclosure. Now, of course, it came up, and sometimes you can just joke with somebody, like, hey, I have herpes. You okay with that? Ha, ha, It's funny because we already know that we both have it. Uh, <laughs> right. But it was, it was really good for uh, my confidence, just going from all the rejections and rejecting myself to, okay, this is a safe space for me to date. Right. It makes so much sense, right? Because it's like you don't have to talk about it. It's there. You already mm-hmm. know. It takes away a lot of the anxiety, I suppose, you had every time you went out. Every time, yeah. Right. And don't get me wrong. Now, there were still conversations about STIs, you know, like we talk about herpes itself, and we'd want to know when the other person was last tested. So it still had space for conversations around STIs. So I don't want to, I don't want to make anyone, lead right. anyone to believe that just because we see what the other person has, that omits the need for a conversation about sexual health at all. Well, let's remember, you can, you can go on a site, you each have herpes, doesn't mean you don't have, you can't catch anything else. There's other things out there. Uh, yes, treatable, but nonetheless, you still need to have a safe sex conversation. Mm -hmm. So what would be, if you wanted to get one message out there for people who are either living with STIs and a message for people who may be dating somebody with an STI, like herpes, for example, what would it be? Get familiar with your body. 
Um, oftentimes people are diagnosed, had no idea that they had herpes, hadn't had any expressions of the virus, and immediately get on antivirals and start changing up their diet and everything. From the time you find out, I think it's important to uh, let your body, see how your body responds. You know, for me, I took antivirals as needed. Um, I've spoken to people who've had their own experiences where they got on medication immediately and started to just have constant outbreaks. And they, through their own trial and error, I'm not a medical professional, I'm not giving medical advice, I'm just sharing these people's experiences, but they stopped taking the antivirals and they began to only just take it as needed. And one of my close friends who actually disclosed to me after um, finding out that I was doing this podcast and I had herpes told me, Hey, you know, I took that advice and it worked for me because he immediately like cut out, uh, supplements that contain arginine, which is huh. known to contribute to outbreaks, and he just immediately began taking the daily suppressive medication. It's interesting. I think people who, who end up with herpes get to know their bodies maybe more because they're paying attention more, whereas before mm-hmm. they weren't paying attention so much. So now, you know, you might feel, oh, you feel a tingling? Okay, you know that you can start taking your antiviral medication, <clears throat> and you know um, you're more in tune. Correct. Yeah. I mean, I got very acquainted with my body. After I'm my sure. Diagnosis. It was just like, I don't want this to happen again. And I mean, it, it did um, help me pay more attention to it and be more mindful of it and treat it better. I began working out a little bit different. I started to pay more attention to my nutrition. And it's my body's been very good to me since I've started being good to it. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the, uh, the other side, the silver lining to that, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Courtney, if people want to be get in touch with you or they want to listen to your podcast, where should they go? You should just any podcast player, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, um, we're on Spotify. Just search something positive for positive people and you'll find us. And I also contribute a lot of content. Um, a lot of it is takeaways from different podcast episodes to Waxo, W-A-X-O-H. Um, and on their blog, you'll just see a lot of the content, uh, show descriptions and short versions of podcast conversations that are had. Right. So if you want, you can check that out at waxoh.com. Actually, interestingly enough, uh, they interviewed me for one of their blog posts. So there's a little bit something about me there uh, as well. So giving some of my thoughts. And also on your podcast, we talked about therapy and we talked about all kinds of stuff. So uh, that's fun oh, yeah. for people to have. <laughs> well, Courtney, thank you so much for joining us and uh, spending this time with us. Good luck with your future endeavors and uh, keep us posted. Be back. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Laurie. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Courtney. Uh, That's Courtney Brame, podcaster, uh, something positive for positive people and spokesperson for Dating Positives, which is a dating site platform for people with STIs. Thank you all so much for uh, spending your time with us. Thanks to our technical producer, Brian Kalisar. You can connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Petito or my website at www.drlori.com. Coming up next on CJD, the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening and remember to live your life with passion.